John chapter 8, beginning in verse number 12. We're going to get into this message about Jesus being the light of the world. And, you know, one of the things that you could really characterize the, the generation in which we live is darkness. And the darkness is not going away until Jesus comes back. He said he's the light of the world, and he is. And the problem is that in the book of Thessalonians, Paul teaches that before Christ comes back, there's going to be a great falling away. Now, Jesus is the light of the world, and we are his ambassadors here on this earth. But as the church goes through this falling away, there will be less of the church, and there will be more of the darkness. But how many of you know the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines? Hallelujah. The, the, the darker it gets, the more you can see those little specks of light. If you ever try to black out a room, you can see those little specks here and little specks there. And I want you to know, no matter how big or how small your light is, the darker the world gets, the brighter it's going to shine for Jesus. There is a refining coming to the world, to the church world today. And God is purifying the light that is in the church. God is removing the false foundations. He's removing the emotional experiences. And he's getting us down to the, to the quick of the matter. He's getting us to the root of the issue. And that is the foundation. That is Jesus Christ. Him crucified, him risen from the dead is our hope. Our hope is not in our church. Our hope is not in establishing a denomination. Our hope is not in setting up a man over people. Our hope is in the one that died for us on the cross, that shed his blood for us on the Calvary's hill, that defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I'm calling on you to put your hope in him and not in men. In this hour, in this hour, people are putting their hope in methods. They are putting their hope in politicians. They are putting their hope in the stock market. They're putting their hope in medicine. They're putting their hope in men. But God is calling us to rest our hope in Jesus. Now, the generation in which we live, like I said, is growing darker by the hour. The decadence is not going to stop until Jesus blows that trumpet and comes back and calls the church home. But the decadence will ensue. So we have to make up our minds and our hearts to follow Jesus. Now watch this verse here in John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying... I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God is telling you that Jesus is the light of the world. And I want you to know that so many people today, they don't know where they fit in. They don't know how to fit in. They don't understand what's going on inside them. They don't understand what's going on in the world. They don't understand anything. But Jesus said, if you'll just follow me, you'll walk in light. You don't have to have your favorite politician in office to walk in light. You don't have to have money in your pocket to walk in light. You don't have to have friends and family to walk in light. You have to have Jesus. And if Jesus is all that you have, you'll find that he's all that you need. And when you find he's all that you need, he will be your light in the night. 
Jesus said here that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. People today put their hopes in so many things. And one of the problems that we see in the church world is that we lose that anointing on our lives. We lose that consecration. We lose that sanctification that God has called us to live in when we begin to stop looking to Jesus and we begin to look to other things. We oftentimes, what we actually end up doing is getting double-minded and we're going to touch on that. A, a, a double-minded Christian is someone who is uh, on the roller coaster of life. If the devil comes at you, oh man, it's horrible. But if the devil flees, it's wonderful. But I want you to know Jesus is wonderful on the good days, and he's wonderful on the bad days. You know, there's a whole song that says he's a lily in the valley. Amen? You know what that song means? That, that you'll find Jesus in the valley of tribulation. You'll find Jesus in the valley of despair. As you go through the dark seasons, you'll find that he's light in the night. And God is calling us to that place where we follow him. Amen? So one of the problems that we see in the church world is that people, uh, pe- people today are not following Jesus. They're following men. One of the saddest commentaries on the church world today is that we have church growth conferences. Instead of a pastor getting alone with God and seeking God for direction for a congregation, we're going to other churches and we're paying $50 a person to go through a conference and figure out what's the next best method and then hand out cards so that we can go buy cards, flowers, and candy for people in the city. And then God is missed. Because the gospel is not in giving people cards, candy, and flowers. The gospel is not in handing out treats. The gospel is not in standing on your head or riding horses. The gospel is in the preaching that Jesus Christ was crucified for you. That God loved you so much that he was willing not to give you a bag of candy. God loved you so much he was not willing to give you a gift card to CVS. God loved you so much that he came from eternity. God who is God who is immaterial decided to incarnate in flesh. He loved you so much that he came to this earth and he incarnated in flesh for you. He loved you that much. Even if no one else accepted him, if you would, he would come for you because he loved you. Your sins were so far against you that you could not go to heaven. There's no working off the debt that you owed to get you to heaven. And God knew that. God knew that there was no way. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there be any other way that there was no other way. And Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. It was God's will to purchase you because your sin was against you and you couldn't get it off. If, if someone dies without accepting Jesus Christ, they will go to hell. Our charge in this generation is not to give people cards flowers and candy but to give them the truth that if they die without Christ they will perish in eternal hell that's the call of the church and then we call the Christians to live a holy life 
It is to the world that they must turn away from their sin and turn away from eternal hell and turn to Jesus Christ and live a holy life unto Him. God has called us. God has called us to speak that word in this season. You see, we don't, God didn't tell us to, to give book reports. God told us to trumpet the word of God, to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Hear ye what God has said. And I'm telling you what God has said. He loved you. Even when you were in your sins, Christ died for you. And He bought you with His own blood on Calvary's hill. Now that right there is the light that we need. When you begin to see God in that light, I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Not one of us, not one of us, our sin debt was so small that we could work it off. You can look to the left and to the right. You can look to the sweet old ladies and sweet old men. You can look to little kids, but not one of us had a sin debt so small that we could work it off by mopping the floor of heaven's courts. Not one of us could work it off by serving. Not one of us could work it off by singing. Not one of us could work it off. It must be a Savior that saves us from our sins. And He did. And He did. He said He is the light of the world. Now I want you to know this. I want you to know this. As you move away from that truth, you'll move into more darkness. You know why a lot of the church world has moved in emotionalism and why you got to turn the lights down and why you got to turn the smoke machines up? Because we have emotionalism. We don't have reality. We don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore. We preach the gospel of a better life. And I want you to know God is calling us to come back to that fundamental faith, to that root issue, which is Christ crucified. That's the power of God unto salvation. And no person, no person, no person can walk in light without that. You, you, you can have all the book wisdom, all the commentary, you can have all the lexicons, you can do all the things that you want to do, but until you come to grips with that reality, you will always be in darkness. There is no hope outside of Jesus. There is no hope in men. There's no hope in the Pope. There's no hope in churches. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Today, so many people walk in darkness. Because the devil's a liar. He seeks whom he may devour. And his desire is to keep the church in darkness, to keep the lost in darkness. His desire is to encamp people in darkness. But God's desire is that you come out of the darkness and come into the light of Jesus Christ. Now, let me share something with you real quick in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse number 5 of James 1. Now, one of the problems that we see in the church world today and in, in, in our own lives is that we see an unstableness in the church, folks. It's an amazing thing that happens because sometimes we, we, we close the Bible on Sunday and we, we, we open up to the world on Monday. Sometimes, sometimes we live what I call that, that, that James Bond lifestyle as Christians. You know, he was a, a, a secret agent. He's like when, when nobody knew who you really were. 
And, and, and that's one of the plagues that we've seen in the church world is that so many people operate on, in, in, in one vein on Sunday, but a different vein on Monday. And I'm here to tell you, you can deceive your pastor, you can deceive your Sunday school teacher, you can deceive your mom and your dad, but I'm telling you, you'll, you're in darkness and you know it. You see, the, that's the reality. We, we can preach all we want to preach, but the reality of the matter, the fundamental reality of the matter is we either are living in light right now or there's darkness on us. And if you'll turn to Jesus, he'll break that darkness off. He'll give you the light of life. But the reality of the matter is, is that religion will keep you in darkness, but Jesus will keep you in light. And if you'll follow Jesus, you'll, you'll walk in his light. But we see this unstableness in so many people, and, and here's, here's the, the main reason. Verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. See, you may not know what to do, but God does. And, it, it, and the reality is, you know, a lot of times when God gives you wisdom, it will go against the grain. God will tell you to go and, 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 and be good to someone who's not good to you. Or God will tell you to give up a job that, that is going to cost you, your, you know, your, your, the vitality of your spiritual life. One of my, my spiritual mentors, he had a job lined up for him as a banker. And it was a great job, and, but his church was just starting to blossom in Jesus. And, and he had to make that choice choice whether to follow his career or to follow his calling and you know we all have to make those decisions say well that's your dream you were gonna you were going to be set you were going to make six figures you were going to have you know vacation and you were going to have a townhouse and you were going to be able to purchase two cars and all these things and he had to make that choice between his career and his calling and you know you you can look at pastors you can say yeah they need to do that but we all got to do that we all have to come to those decisions in life that sometimes they don't make sense in the natural world. You see, if you're talking about godly wisdom, it is wisdom that defies the logic of men. If you can get by with writing to Dear Abby and getting wisdom from Dear Abby, I'm here to tell you that's not wisdom from God. Wisdom from God will defy the logic of men. Wisdom from God will tell you to do what no one else will tell you to do. Wisdom from God told David to take off the armor of the king and to go out in front of Goliath with just five rocks. Wisdom from God will tell you that you can go in a den of lions and not get eaten if you go in clothed with the anointing from God. You see, the logic of men says if you go in, you're going to die. But the logic from God is if you go in with that anointing, God's got you. And I don't know what you're going in, but I want to tell you this. You need God's anointing as you go in. You need God's anointing while you're in. And God's anointing will carry you through and out. Now, here's the reality. So many people today, they, they are not following God. They are following the logic of men. They are following the logic of their flesh. They are unstable. Verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And a a double-minded person is someone that knows the right thing to do, but don't do it. Or 
will do the right thing when the cost is relatively small. Come on now. It don't cost you much to do that. But when the cost is great, will you still do what's right? A double-minded person, a double-minded person is unstable. That means that they know the right thing to do, but they'll oftentimes not do it. They, they live in a place where they vacillate between serving self and serving Jesus. It's a double-minded person is not someone who just rejects Jesus. It's someone who serves Jesus on Sunday and self on Monday. This is a double-minded person, and I'm here to tell you that if you're double-minded, you'll never walk in light. One of the reasons why so many of us live in darkness is because we're double-minded. One of the reasons why so many of us do not have the light of life that God wants you to have is just, it's, it's not because there's something you don't know. It's because we're double-minded. It's just, it, it comes down to that one root issue. We're serving two masters. We're serving two masters. In order for you to follow Jesus, you must come to the place where you serve one and one alone. In order for you to worship Jesus, you must worship one and one alone. In order for you to know Jesus, you must know one and one alone. A a double-minded person will always stay in darkness. And you know, God loves you and He wants you to come out of the darkness. He wants you to, He wants you to come out of that place where you're indulging your flesh. He wants you to come out of that place. And you know what? That's the, the, the sad reality about depression is. You know, that was one of the battles that I've had in my life was depression. And depression is, is, is hard to get out of because your flesh wants to remain in that place. You know it's not where you belong, but it feels good to be in that dark place. It feels good. Misery loves company. And the devil will love to keep you in a place of depression. He will. But you have to make a decision between satisfying your flesh or serving Jesus. And if you'll, if you'll make that decision, you'll come out of depression right then. God will break through that darkness. See, God, God will break through that darkness. Books can't do it. Psychologists can't do it. Pills can't do it. God will do it with one word. With one word, he formed the world. With one word, he calms the sea. With one word, he created the light. And with one word, he'll take you out of your dark place of depression. He'll take you out of serving self. He'll take you out of the sin that has enslaved you. He'll take you out of the besetting sin. And he will set you free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm here to tell you, that's the truth. God will take you out. God will take you out of the darkness, but you have to make that decision to stop serving your flesh. And that's the problem with depression. That's the problem with darkness. The the darkness makes the flesh feel good. And you have to make that decision to reach out for Jesus. And if you will, he'll take you by the hand. He'll take you by the hand and he'll lead you out of the night into the morning. This morning, one of the things that I want you to see is that this person that is is double-minded, as you see in verse 6, it said that they are like the waves of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Is this someone who uh, 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 on one day starts a new job and on another day they, they, they quit? And then on another day they found a new life calling. And then on another day they found it's like that channel stopped and, and it was never there to begin with. They just started something new. 
And then they found the latest trend, and then they found the latest this, and then they found the latest that. It's always this hopping from this thing to that thing to this thing to that thing. You know what that tells you? That inside they are driven like the wind and the waves of the sea. There is no stability. There is no rock of ages. There is no, there is nothing solid within because they're moved by like the wind across the waves. They're here and they're there and A lot of times we can begin to look at our own lives and we can say, you know, I've been like that. And I'm honest, I'll tell you, I've been like that. There's times that I, I was not situated on that rock, and when I'm not situated on that rock, I'll, I'll follow this, and I'll follow that, and I went here, and I went there, and nothing ever satisfied the soul because God designed it that way. And then we come to that place where we realize Jesus is all. He's the one that bought you. He's the one that sought you. You know, we will never on this side of eternity understand the worth of His blood. But by the Spirit of God, He'll give you a glimpse of it. By the Spirit of God, if you'll ask Him, He'll begin to reveal to you in glimpses, in visions, in prophetic terms, in words of knowledge. He'll begin to, He'll begin to open up your understanding so that you'll see just what He did on that cross for you. Just what He did on that cross for you. You know, one of the things that we see in, in, in the book of Leviticus, let me show you this, in Leviticus chapter 24, Leviticus chapter 24, there's a a, a passage in here about God's light. God's light. As you turn it over there, I will let you see this. There there is light for you. You you may be in a situation where you're comfortable. You got it under control. But I want you to know that there's light for you. And you may be okay as you listen to this. You may be okay, but can I tell you this? There are people around you that are in darkness. There's people around you that don't have hope right now. There's people around you that are living for the flesh. They're living for the world. They're li- they're, the, their greatest joy in life is when the saints or cowboys win. Or their greatest joy in life is getting a new pair of shoes. Their greatest joy in life is when some old boy calls them on the phone or something. And you know there's more to life than that? There's more to life than that? You know why? Because those things are temporal. Jesus is eternal. And, and, and as you connect with Jesus, you'll, you'll connect with the light of the world. Now here is a, a, an eternal truth. I want you to see this in Leviticus chapter 24. In verse number 1, it says that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation shall, order, shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. And listen to this verse 4. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. You know what God is showing the nation of Israel? Because everything in the temple, everything in the tabernacle was a typology of Jesus Christ. 
And, and, and in the tabernacle, God told Moses, there's supposed to be light burning continually. What that represents is the pure light of Jesus Christ, the pure substance of the Holy Spirit. This light will burn all the time. There's never an instance at all that this light will ever go out. This light will continue to burn from the beginning unto the end. It'll give you light on your worst day. It'll give you light on the, on the worst experience of life. It'll give you light when you don't know which way to go, when you're not sure who's for you or who's against you, when you don't know how to get out of the situation you're in, when you're not sure who to trust, where to go, who to call for, when you're not understanding how to get out of the situation you're in. I want you to know there's light that burns continually in God's tabernacle. There is light that burns continually in God's tabernacle. See, in the world, it's full of darkness, but in God's house, there's always light. There used to be a saying on the Motel 6, it said, we'll leave the light on for you. The light will always be on for you at the Motel 6. Well, you know what? That's the way it is in God's tabernacle. In God's tabernacle, the light always burns. You see, in this world, they will come up into situations where there's a fork in the road, and as you see that thing approaching, you don't know whether to go to the left or to the right. You don't know whether to go up or down. You don't know what to do. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll just trust Jesus and follow him as you come up to that fork in the road, God ever so gently, ever so sweetly, he'll shine his light on that path. As you stay in his presence, as you live in his tabernacle, that light will be around you. And as you come up into that fork in the road, you'll see which way to go. God will direct your steps. As you follow him, he will lead you. He will guide you. As he said, he is the good shepherd. He'll lead you beside the still waters. He knows the way to go. You don't know the way to go. You don't know what the right decision is. Quit leaning on your own understanding. That's what made it so hard in the first place because we don't make good decisions. We ruin things. We mess things up. We make things worse. We are habitual sinners. But as we lean not to our own understanding and as we follow Jesus, He leads us beside still waters. He leads us to those green pastures. He will bring His peace. He will bring His peace in the middle of chaos in your life. This morning, as you see this light that burns continually, this is what the world needs. This is what the world needs. The the world needs to know that the light's always on at God's house. You know, when that prodigal son, that prodigal son was in the pig pen, and and, and he figured out he he was worse off than the servants in his father's house. You know, he said, he said, I'm just gonna go back home. How many of you know His father left the light on. His father was waiting on the front porch for him. Just like in our lives, we know prodigals that have left God. We know prodigals that have gone way far away from God. But I want you to know God hasn't given up on them. God still has the light on. God is still waiting on that front porch for that son or that daughter to come home. God is still waiting on that person just like he waited on you or or just like he's waiting on you. But he leaves that light on, meaning he's right there on the front porch. And as that son or that daughter begins to make that road back home through repentance, as that son or that daughter begins to walk back home, God meets them. And God, God, God comes upon them. 
and he ministers to them. This morning, I want you to see this. The world needs to know that God's light is still on. You see, so many people today, they believe. They believe that the world is a joke. They believe that God has forgotten them. They believe that God don't want them. They believe all kinds of crazy things because the devil's a liar. He's a liar. Jesus said he's been a liar from the beginning. He is a liar, but Jesus said he is the truth. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. You see, the devil wants to keep you away from the truth. And the truth is this. The truth is this. Jesus Christ loved you. He sought you and he bought you on Calvary's hill. And if you'll come to him by faith in that light, he'll give you direction. You see, a lot of times Christians think, okay, I did that. Now which way do I go? That's the way. You see, we have a mandate in life. We have a mandate as Christians. Our mandate is not to build our own kingdoms. Our mandate is not to get saved and then go back to our old life. Our mandate is not to to get saved and to put on deodorant. Uh, It's not to get saved and then go get a haircut. It's to get saved and to surrender till the last day of your life. It is to get saved and to surrender to His will, to surrender to His way, to surrender to His kingdom this day and every day of your life will be a battle until you go home. The, one of the sad realities we see in the Christian world is that many people don't tell you that it is war. It is utter war. The devil is out to, to kill, to steal, to destroy you. It is warfare in Christianity. It is war. It is not roses. It's war. And if you get saved and you think it's going to be rosy the whole time, you're mistaken. You've been misled. And that's okay. It's, you need to know the truth. The truth is, is war. And the only way to win the war is to stay with Jesus. The only way to win the war is to stay by the shepherd. You see, you're a sheep. He's the shepherd. The only way to stay safe is to stay next to the shepherd. He said he's the light of the world, and all those that follow him will walk in the light of life. The, the reason why a lot of Christians miss it is because we get saved, and then we begin to go our own way. It's double-mindedness. When you get saved, you fall to your knees, and you surrender who you are to the King of Kings. You let go of your life so that you may receive his You don't get up from the altar and take your life back and go live for yourself again. It is a life of surrender that God calls us to. He did not say He's the light of the world and you can go wherever you want and walk in light. He didn't say that. John 8, 12. He said He's the light of the world and those that follow Him will have the light of life. It is those that follow Him that will walk in continual light. And can can I tell you this? It gets hard whenever you don't follow Jesus. That's not rocket science. I mean, when was the last time you heard a pastor tell you that? It gets hard when you don't follow Jesus. But that's exactly what many of us do. 
That's exactly what many of us do. And, and uh, the, 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 the less you follow Jesus, the harder it's going to get for you. But what the devil wants you to think is that you got this. The devil wants you to think you got, you got to this plateau, you got to this place, you got this, you know, you, you, you got enough religion in you, and you got it now. That is a lie that will destroy your soul. That is a lie that will tear down what God has built up. That is a lie that will take you back to a place of captivity. But God has come to set you free. See, there's, there's, there's an anointing on this continual light that burns. There's an anointing on it. See, this is what happened to Daniel. Daniel stood out for many reasons. One of, the, one of the main reasons of which is in Daniel chapter 1. When he refused, he got convicted. He didn't want to eat the meat from the king's table. He thought it would defile his holy temple, and he refused, and God's anointing came upon him. God blessed him. I believe that there's a lesson in that. Somebody ought to preach on that. But I want to take you over to Daniel chapter 6 and show you where that anointing shone through as we come to a close right here. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Now, Darius was the king at this time. King Darius. Darius knew about Daniel. The people that worked for Darius knew about Daniel. And this is the reason I want to show you this. If you truly live for God, people are going to notice. If, if you've truly been changed, people are going to notice. You're going to rub the wrong people the right way, if you know what I mean. If you truly live for God, you shouldn't fit in with society. If you truly love God, you, you, you shouldn't be the, the, the envy of society. You should stick out like a sore thumb. You should stand apart. You should come out from that darkness and be a vessel for God. And Daniel, here in Daniel 6, he, he, he was that person. He, he lived a righteous and holy life. And the, and, and the people around the king, they wanted to set a trap so that they could take Daniel down. Can I just tell you, people will come against you if you live for Jesus. Demons will plot your destruction. People that are used by demons will plot your destruction. They'll say the exact thing to pierce your heart at your weakest moment. The devil won't wait for your strongest hour. He'll lurk and he'll wait and he'll leap when your shield is down. When you're tired, when you're worn out, when pastor hadn't called, when somebody didn't thank you, when somebody didn't notice you, when you hadn't been doing your reading, when you hadn't been doing your praying, when you hadn't been doing your fasting, when you hadn't been doing your evangelism, when you're just a sitting duck, that's when he comes. And he'll use whoever he can to inflict that wound, that mortal wound. And, and, and here Darius, he had these, these men around him that were trying to bring Daniel down. Okay. The, all the kingdom's going to come against Daniel. How are they going to get him down? They're going to use his religion against him. They're going to use your religion against you. 
Think about that. In the day and hour in which we live, they, they will seek to exploit your religion, to entrap you, to ensnare you, to throw you into a den of lions. Well, long story short, here's the thing. Daniel was surrounded by these people who were seeking to entrap him, and what they devised was that you couldn't pray to anyone except Darius. You couldn't pray to your God. You couldn't serve your God the way you wanted to serve your God. You had to do what they said. Daniel knew this. And after they made the the edict and the mandate, after they mandated it, they issued it from the pen of a man, devised from a devil. And they issued this mandate. Daniel went up to his room, opened the window, and he prayed to Jehovah God. He got down on his face and he glorified the creator of the world. He did not allow the fear of men to grab his heart. He allowed the fear of God to guide him through a dark hour. He looked to God, not to man. His hope was not in this life. His hope was in the next life. He had done let go. Listen to me. He let go of the consequences that would come against him in this world. And he grabbed hold of the future of the next world. And if you're going to burn for Jesus, if you're going to be a light in a dark hour for Him, you're going to have to let go of the consequences uh, that may come against you in this life. Sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. But you've got to let go of those things so that you can hold on to Jesus. I promise you, if you hold on to Jesus, He'll hold on to you. He'll make the way before you. He will be for you. And no one will be able to be against you. When the enemy comes one way, He'll leave seven. God will will stand for you. He'll fight for you. He will encamp around you with a host of the heavenly army. And he will be light in the midnight hour. Now here's what I want you to see. Daniel, Daniel was, was awesome and he, he was faithful and he stood the test. He was faithful to the end. But it wasn't the end. You see, as they threw him into the den of lions, that was the, that was the, the judgment. When you broke the mandate, you had to go down in the hole. Well, he went in the hole, but he went in it with the anointing of God. You see, you, people may leave you, but, but God won't. People may try to destroy you, but God will be for you. People may leave you, but God will be with you. People may try to push you down, but God will hold you up. You see, for the child of God, oh, oh, Pastor Keith Noss, he said one time, for the child of God, there's many things that may come on you, but as a child of God, you have to know this, God's hand will always be under you. Hallelujah. No matter how much is coming on you, God's hand is under you. And God's hand, look, the the things that come on you will never push God's hand down. Come on now. No matter how much comes on you, God will be there undergirding you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Daniel did. Daniel trusted him. You see, Daniel got thrown in this den of lions, and I want to point out something to you. Because see, when, when, when Daniel got thrown in the den of lions, it was these evil government folks that did it. But the actual king, Darius, he didn't want to. He was just kind of manipulated into the deal. Because he knew Daniel was a righteous man. 
You see, if, 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 somebody, speaks, if somebody speaks against you, let them, let them do it because you serve Jesus. Don't give them reason to speak evil against you. But, but what happened to Daniel, though, is that Darius saw something was different. Now, I want to take you down to verse, verse number 19. Verse number 19. This is after Daniel got thrown into the den of lions. I want you to notice something here. It says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, listen to this, whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. I want you to notice something right here. This King Darius who served the little G gods of the Babylonians knew that Daniel served the God of heaven. And he knew this. Daniel wasn't a a, a secret agent Christian. Daniel wasn't a double-minded man. Daniel wasn't unstable and tossed to and fro. When, when, when something came against him, Daniel didn't give up. When, when the world started pushing back, Daniel didn't let up. When the world started getting darker, Daniel didn't let the light go out. But he knew this Daniel served God in a different capacity. He knew that this Daniel served God continually. That's the word continually. In other words, Daniel had wholly and completely given over his life to live consecrated to Jesus. And you know what? If you'll give your life wholly and completely over to God to live for Jesus, to live for Jesus, even evil rulers will notice this. You see, he got favor from King Darius. He got favor from King Darius, and, and it wasn't because of anything else, but his life was a testimony. See, there's a passage in Revelation that says, by the, by the, the word of, of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we will overcome. And you see, Daniel here, he had a testimony. This King Darius couldn't shake it. How can this man, in the face of the lions, in the face of evil, evil mandates, in the face of people conspiring against him, he never gave up, he never let go of his faith, he never let the light go out, he served God continually. I want you to catch that. There was no double-mindedness in Daniel, and it caught the heart of Darius. And when, when he came out, Darius acknowledged God as the Most High. It changed the course of Babylon. It set up the return of the kingdom. It set up the way for Nehemiah and Ezra to come back to the land. It, what Daniel did prepared the way of the Lord, as John the Baptist prophesied. But Daniel there, he prepared it because he continually gave his life to God. And I'm here to tell you, in closing... The reason why things get hard for us is because we don't give our lives continually to Jesus. I'm here to tell you that. If you'll give your life continually to him, he'll continually guide you. He'll continually open the doors before you. He will continually cleanse you. He will continually set you free. He will continually be the light of the world as you follow him. This morning, as, as we close, 
as we close, I want to ask you to give your life afresh to him continually. A lot of times as, as people come into Christianity, as a lot of times as people come into Christianity, they believe that the war is over. It just begins. It just begins. I'm not telling you that to discourage you. I'm telling you that to remind you. Because God told me to tell you that. So I was praying over this message. God spoke to my heart, that passage in Leviticus 24. God spoke to my heart. It was one of the quickest times God ever spoke to my heart a message. He said, my people need to know the light is called to burn continually. There's a reality. The light is pure. The light is pure. The light is continual. There's another reason, though. The light is pure. The light is continual. There's another reason, though. As God's light burns in your life, other people will see him. Other people will see him. See, the light that was in the tabernacle was that so people could see how to worship God. And as God's light burns in your life, other people will see how to worship Jesus. God's called you to that place. God's called you to let go of your life and let him make new life in you.